Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing well, doing well. Lots of stuff. And uh, there's still a war going on. Yeah. You know what? Didn't we end that war against COVID and all that stuff? (laughs) You know, now we have another war to fight. I think it might be the same war. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's that's one thing that sort of scares me because, uh, you know, chaos is the goal of the the Marxists. Uh, You know, if anything looks like it's working, uh, you know, and and our country has worked pretty, pretty well. and, And Trump was a good you know, pep talker. So it was looking like he had to do it. So they had to have chaos in the streets. They've achieved that. But uh, chaos due to war war is also a reason for people to look for other political systems. And uh, there's a little bit of that going on. But anyway, uh, that's been uh, the way things have been for a long time. But uh, we still have our personal oblig- obligation of trying to sort things out. Yeah, not easy. I do it for my own peace of mind. Yeah. I, I need to understand this better. Yeah. And, uh, and then that we find other people who are experts and hopefully we can offer that to a larger audience. But we want to talk a little bit about uh, the president. He uh, was just on TV. Yeah. He just finished, yeah. Okay, and he he wants to uh, he wants to ban oil. Yeah, ban oil. That, why why is he going to do that? Yeah. How's that going to help me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How's he going to help the American citizen? That means uh, maybe that's why oil up is up tremendously, like nine dollars today. And I can remember for years, uh, Rick Mayberry, a friend of mine, I wrote about a hundred dollar barrel of oil and he's been writing it for 10 or 15 <laughs> years but he it was always the same thing it's going to happen it's going to be happen just like people believe that if you keep printing money the gold price uh will go up too or the value of the dollar will go down and that's happening too gold gold for instance from all this chaos uh was up at one time today just 60 dollars in one oh, day record and, uh, and even even silver jumped, and silver silver is uh, a well controlled uh, uh, precious metal, and it doesn't follow. But today it was following the the rules of common sense, so there was a lot of purchasing of that. But uh, then uh, then there's also you know the uh, the gasoline prices are skyrocketing too. So what should we be doing? Uh, you know, some people say we just need to drill more, and uh, this. Uh, a radical green movement probably hurt, probably did. But uh, one thing is, is people find these isolated reasons why pr- prices might go up. Like, like th- there's a big argument going on now. Is it the war that pushed the oil prices up? Uh, or exactly what it is? Is it because of COVID, the excess of regulation with COVID? And they mention these things and then they argue about it. But what they don't say is, I wonder if it could be that there was a high demand from the people to spend a lot of money. Deficits don't matter. We have a Federal Reserve. It'll take care of us and everything will be okay. And it's the depreciation at all. No, they don't ever say that. But they are fighting about it. The administration's fighting with some Republicans because they, uh, they certainly don't want to blame, uh, uh, you know, themselves and their policies. And... Uh, and some people say, well, it's all uh, Putin's fault. Yeah. But it's a, it's a blame game. But nevertheless, it's up there. And today, I would say what they're doing, what just happened, as you report, that uh, 
that uh, Biden wants to quit buying any oil from them. Yeah. Well, what's they, what's they going to do? You know, a couple things. One, it pushes the prices up. It punishes the American people. And we used to talk a whole lot about how the American people were sub punished after 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> the liberties were stolen from the people, and they had the Patriot Act. So, but what else could happen? Well, it could shift the whole geopolitical structure. Uh, maybe... Uh, Maybe there will be a response uh, from China. Maybe there will be uh, a greater pro coalition between China and Russia and other countries because uh, this, you know, if this be, it is a worldwide event, not in the sense that we're in World War III, but it's a worldwide event because uh, we certainly saw how COVID became a worldwide event, and uh, it uh, it was a real burden to everybody. Right now, this is a burden to everybody when the prices are price of oil goes up and uh but to say that we're not going to buy any the immediate reaction is the markets go real quick and they might have to sort it out but the immediate reaction was boom yeah. with the oil prices and and who knows what that'll lead to but it there i think that we'll be talking about and and i think uh, as the days go on there will be a lot more about uh, what china's doing about it i don't I don't think they're silent uh, participants right now. I think I think they're doing their best to protect their interests, and they might not be the interests of uh, American citizens. Just like our our own Congress, you know, it's Congress that does this stuff. But Daniel, we should be satisfied. We shouldn't complain. It's bipartisan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's bipartisan, it must be okay. Must be good. Well, you know, we, I kind of half joked that it's the same war, but it does seem like the same war when you see who's suffering. You know, Biden came on and told the American people, you've got to have to suffer some more for Ukraine's democracy. Um, but, you know, COVID was a war on the working class and the middle class by the Zoom class. You know, they stayed at home in their pajamas and pulled their full paycheck. Well, the people who were waiters, who were or construction workers, uh, who were, you know, plumbers, they bore the, the brunt. They're the ones, the small business owners, they had their businesses shut down. It was a war on the working and middle class. And this is the exact same thing that we're seeing now. This is a war on the working and middle class. Anyone who doubts that, go try to fill up your tank. It's not going to bother Biden, uh, but it certainly bothered me yesterday. And it bothers me every time I drive by the gas station that's 20 cents higher. There's a, a clip that's going around on Twitter right now of Stephen Colbert, you know, who's a kind of a com comedian, but with a hard uh, left political bent. And he was making the point half-jokingly as he does it, but not half-jokingly. He said, we need to have a clean hands, so I don't care if it's going to cost $15 a gallon for gas, as long as we have clean hands. And by the way, I don't care because I drive a Tesla anyway. <laughs> so that is, shows the attitude of the elites toward the working and middle classes in America who can't afford to go out and buy a $50,000 Tesla, who maybe are going around in an old junk or pickup truck. We see a lot of them around here. This is the attitude that they had all through COVID. Too bad for you. And this is the attitude they have now. $15 a gallon? Too bad. You've got to suck it up because we've got to defend democracy in Ukraine. You know, and, so, and someone else noted on Twitter, by the way, that um, these higher gas prices, and you know this better than anyone, Dr. Paul, doesn't just mean at the pump. It means when you get an, a, a, maybe a load of lumber delivered, the delivery fee is 100 bucks instead of $50. Uh, and, and everything, your pizza delivery. Everything that happens is going to be a lot more expensive. You know, we, we live very close to Dow Chemical Company. And uh, when the price of oil goes up, 
it's not just the our gasoline that goes up. It's amazing how many products Dow yeah. produces that goes into other things, into plastics and other items, and and that all pushes it up. So it's it's a it's a big deal. And uh, the other thing is is when they when they do this, they're talking about like uh, there's a set amount of of oil, and if we have uh, if we quit buying oil from uh, Russia today, it'll sit in a warehouse someplace and not be touched. Just go someplace else. I mean, they might even discount it. There might be a black market, you know, a pseudo black market because it's hardly a, a, a sinister thing for people to try to survive and find the customers. Individuals do it when there's wage and price controls. Corporations do it, and and uh, governments do it too because they they uh, their goal is survival. And right now, there's a lot of scurrying around on on what to do, and they keep thinking, and, and, and then there's going to be a war over all this. Yeah. Well, in a sense, there's an intellectual war. There's a regulatory rule uh, role right now going on, but uh, it's 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 certainly uh, not not as bad as some people anticipate it could be. And uh, this is why it disturbs me is because I really believe that when you trade with people, uh, you're, you have an, uh, sort of a natural tendency to uh, deal with them. Yeah. You know, trading with countries is a benefit. I think when you uh, uh, trade individually, you know, uh, corporations trade, and that's what a free market is all about. Yeah. And when, once people understand that trading is, you know, there was a economic theory one time that for us to trade there has to be one person suffer and one person to benefit <laughs> it took hundreds of years to figure it out both sides yeah. benefit yeah. and that's why trade is so good yeah. it's because both sides should feel good but now now both sides f at least assume that they don't feel good you yeah. know because they don't know what's going to happen and they have to struggle to find what they need Let's put up that first clip because it just happened before we started the show and I managed to catch the tail end of the president's pretty, pretty bad speech. I mean, and just in terms of trying to listen to him slur through his words. But Biden says yes, will ban Russian oil imports in response to Putin's invasion of Ukraine. A couple of things that he points out, and it's clear what he's trying to do. He says, this is Putin's price hike. So he's trying to condition Americans to blame everything, to blame the hardship on Putin. I don't know if it works. I think that's a gamble. He said, um, people everywhere are speaking out for freedom. Okay, maybe that's true. I don't know. And he said, um, uh, he knows that it's going to hurt Americans, but it's worth it for us to support uh, democracy and freedom in Ukraine. He talked about a $12 billion. <laughs> Remember, it started to be six, then it was 10. Now it's a $12 billion aid package to Ukraine. And I do wonder when Americans are paying uh, five or six dollars a gallon. Why, you know, they may be wondering why are we spending all this, sending all this money over to Ukraine. But the final thing, and this shows that they're really not reading the room right, in my opinion. He says now is the time to accelerate the transition to clean energy. Uh, so it means he's going to double down on the idea uh, that somehow a couple of windmills are going to make up for not buying any oil. Yeah. Um, I think <coughs> that's not going to work out well. And of course, quietly, the U.S. is talking to Iran and Venezuela. And hey, guys, we need some oil. Uh, and supposedly these are bad actors. I wouldn't be surprised if Iran and Venezuela both say, okay, you want to buy some oil? All those assets you froze of ours, all the stuff you stole from us, you got to give it back first. It's only fair. And so they have us over a barrel. Um, clearly, Biden thinks a couple of windmills and maybe a solar is going to get us out of this. Uh, I don't know. The question that I have, Dr. Paul, is how far 
will people be willing to go before they stand up and say, you know what, hey, it's all fine and good that Ukraine has democracy, but you know what, I also have to feed my kids. Well, you had to fight it all the time, whether it was um, fighting against the Mideastern War, because at the beginning, everybody said, hey, this is stupid. We don't want to do that. Then all of a sudden, the propagandists get out there, yep. and it becomes a patriotic zeal where you have to do it or, or you'll be canceled. Yeah. And that's what's, that's what's going on right now. You know, uh, you were unpatriotic if you didn't go along with the lockdowns. And, uh, and, and right, right now, there's more enthusiasm. You know, when they said that uh, they got, got an opinion, you know, from the Congress of what to do, it was t bipartisan. Yeah. You know, I, I think they, they lean toward no-fly zones and they, they lean toward, uh, you know, not buying. That. It's easier for them to say, it's just quit buying it without questioning. And they'll say, and, and, and they have a response which makes a little bit of sense. And they say, well, if you just turn on that one pipeline, all of a sudden uh, we can produce more. Obviously, yeah. that's why markets work. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it's, they're uh. supposed to do. But that also distracts from finding out exactly where the problem is and who should be blamed. And, you know, whether it's uh, COVID lockdown or the Russians or whomever. And, uh, of course, uh, I don't think too many people worry about the Fed. Yeah. The, the only time they'll worry about the Fed is when the uh, Fed uh, uh, allows the interest rates to go too high. Then they might talk about it. <laughs> right now, people are waiting. We need more. We need more money and we need higher interest rates so we can save our money. <laughs> so uh, as long as we put demands on, on, the, on the Fed. But uh, no, it, it, we're, we're in a box. And I'll tell you what. Uh, it, People should have known it was coming. Austrian economics teaches this. It was anticipated. We had our ups and downs for a good many decades. But Mises was right. He says there will be a crack-up boom. And when I was looking at some of those st statistics this morning, I thought, boy, this is just going crazy yeah. right now. And uh, I don't think this is the, the end of markets. But boy, it is, it is getting bad. But it's not like it's brand new. This stuff is preventable. This, this hysteria over COVID is preventable. Yeah. And uh, what's going on right now, it's preventable. And of course, uh, I have a couple, a couple of things I would suggest if that had listened 20 years <laughs> ago or, listen, or urged them to have listened to uh, Robert Taft is that why are we in these entangling alliances? Are they good for the American people? Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, the American people, I, I imagine they were so glad World War II was over. Uh, they just said, take care of us, take care of us. We want to hear, yeah. hear about that. And on they go. They set up the UN, the, uh, the, the NATO, and, uh, and all this militarism that goes on. And also, the, the big change there was the central bank, the, the ability for our central bank to gain so much power and control the world reserve currency. And none of this would have happened with a different monetary system yeah. too. So it was all preventable. Well, you know, as usual, our friend Glenn Greenwald uh, has a great final word because, you know, Biden is trying to convince America that, quote, we need a clean conscience. That means we can't trade with Russia in any way, shape or form because we have to defend democracy in Ukraine. But so that's why we're going to ban all of the oil. But let's put on this next clip because Glenn just tweeted this and he makes a great point. Apparently, the way to get a clean conscience is to stop buying oil from Russia and buy it instead from Saudi Arabia, which, with U.S. and U.K. help and along with Iran, has been waging a hideous war in Yemen that, for some odd reason, 
gets little attention. You want to talk about thousands and thousands of people, innocent civilians dying in a war of aggression. That's the Saudi war on Yemen since 2018. We've covered it forever. So we're going to stop buying it for Russia, who's doing some pretty bloody things in Ukraine. There's no question about it. And instead, we're going to buy more from the Saudis, who've done far worse bloody things in Yemen. I, re I remember a few years back, but the same argument existed uh, 20 years or so ago, and it had to do with China, and they wanted to punish China for something, and uh, they, were, uh, they were being attacked. And uh, I wasn't in favor of the sanctions or the things they wanted, uh, wanted to do. And they said, yeah, but they violate civil liberties in China. <laughs> so I went and I put, you know, I had a few incidents where sometimes we violate civil liberties. Sometimes no. we round up people for demonstrating and call them the worst criminals in the world and we don't make charges yeah. against them. So, uh, yes, uh, they, they have violated civil liberties over there. But the fact that, uh, that we are angels and that we can go over there and tell them what to do, even, even under the circumstances of us doing a lot better job, that still isn't the way it happens. They have to change their minds about, uh, you know, uh, the, the way they treat their people. They're slave, they use slave labor. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people working and uh, it looks like they're not being whipped and uh -huh. they don't make they're making more money than not having a job yeah it's uh but it's it's still it's still one of those things that they can play on and uh put put americans on on a guilt trip so but the patriot uh, patriotic angle is uh is is the big one and uh it's it's been known to be called uh, the last refuge of a scoundrel. Yes. So always look out for the 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 uh, you know determined patriotic citizen. Well, sort next, it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, next is a similar related one. It's just a minor one that we wanted to bring up. If you can put up this next clip, uh, this is Shell Oil. Uh, this is from the Wall Street Journal. Shell and BP to withdraw from Russia oil and gas. You know, Shell got in a little bit of trouble a few days ago, Dr. Paul, because the Russians uh, deeply discounted the oil, I think, by $18 a barrel. And Shell said, I'll take some of that. Well, they, took, they, they made the contract, and they were, of course, they were attacked uh, worldwide for how dare they do this. And they, of course, as corporations do, backed off and said, oh, we're so sorry. We'll never do it again. And we're going to give any money from the shipment to Ukraine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they're providing an answer for the chaos. There's actually trade going to happen in spite of all the regulations. So you have to condemn them and make sure they quit. It, it reminds of what happens when there's a hurricane. We, we unfortunately run into some pretty good hurricanes uh, on the coast. Yep. <laughs> but uh, then there's shortages and, uh, and people need help. And there will be somebody who will have kept some gasoline or new trucks will come in. They'll risk problems and bring in the truck and they'll charge more for the gasoline or for whatever it is and they become the criminals here they go and they take that danger and try to provide it and uh and they say oh they're just gouging people so here they're they're gouging people or they're participating in this and they're the, they're the bad people yeah. yet they're trying to smooth things off there's a natural thing when their human action occurs most of the time and everything human action is voluntary yeah. it smooths things out the problems they deal with the problems but there has to be mutual respect between the two parties and they have to realize if you can come up with a voluntary decision between two people it's like 
socially. When you come together voluntarily, both sides benefit from it. But uh, when you have intervention by governments involved, and we have plenty of intervention because all the special interests, if, if there was a lot less intervention in our economy, we wouldn't have so many lobbyists in Washington. <laughs> you know what? If we had a proper foreign policy, well, would we have to feel sorry for the military industrial complex? We say, boy, they're having trouble. You know, they, they can't go to Washington. We need a war. So then they go out and find an excuse to build more weapons. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, all these sanctions and all these disruptions in the market, they've had the effect of, of really reaping, wreaking havoc on the Russian stock market. The energy stock prices have gone through the floor. Uh, it's a bloodbath. That was the intention uh, when the U.S. And, and, and a lot of Western Europe did this in the first place. And it's been successful. But as you always say, for every action, there are unintended consequences. Put up this next uh, link, if you can. This is from Bloomberg News. So Russian stock prices are in the gutter. Oh, here we go. China considers buying stakes in Russian energy and commodity firms. So all of the China hawks who believe that China is the worst enemy of all, uh, but are also now jumping on the bandwagon of we got to punish Russia, Guess what? You scored an own goal. You shot yourself in the foot because China's going to buy up Russia's energy sector for pennies on the dollar, and they're going to be twice as powerful if things come back to normal. Now, there's a risk that they won't, of course, but twice as powerful and twice as which afterwards. You know, over, over my lifetime of remembering world events, uh, our governments and a lot of people worried about the coalition between a, a gigantic authoritarian China and, and, a, and a Soviet system or Russia. Yeah. And uh, it seems like uh, there must be some people in this country that like it because so much of what we do, you know, enhances all this. Yeah. I mean, there, uh, there was one article I read where some of the people are uh, in Russia are getting their money out. And uh, I don't know how far they have to drive but they're putting their money in Chinese banks. Yeah. So, uh, and, Ch and China uh, really is in a position to make a dollar doing this, at the same time uh, giving a little bit of benefit to the people under siege in Russia. Yeah. Well, our next um, <coughs> little short one, this is uh, something that's from Politico this morning in their morning briefing. If we put up that next item, and this is just kind of a heads up for people who are following it. They're desperately trying to figure out a way to get the U.S. involved uh, in this war. Congress is going insane trying to find a ways to get us in this war because we've got to save Ukraine's democracy, even if it costs us a nuclear annihilation. Um, limited no-fly zone gains steam among foreign policy elite. Foreign policy elite is a code word for neocons. Uh, but what they want to do, what they're talking about, Dr. Paul, is what they call a limited no-fly zone, which is to use NATO and U.S. Uh, air power to uh, create humanitarian corridors in Ukraine. And now that sounds great to people who don't know what they're talking about, but in reality, a no-fly zone, as we know from Iraq, remember we had the two no-fly zones in Iraq. Those came about when the U.S. military annihilated everything within those zones. All air defenses, all planes were shot down and, and, and downed. That's how you create a no-fly zone. So to create this limited no-fly zone, in Ukraine, regardless of whatever place you'd have in Ukraine, the U.S. would have to decimate all Russian air defenses, would have to decimate all Russian aircraft in the area, uh, and that would spark World War III. So even talk of a limited no-fly zone is talk of World War III, 
And the question is, for what? Is, it, is this really worth it, you know, America? And you've already pointed out the practicality of it. It's just not going to work. It's gonna, there, will, there will be the unintended consequences, and, and it will spread. But the principle is wrong. <clears throat> you know, when you do this, uh, you say, well, we're only going to limit uh, a, the Russian fighter jets or, or something like this. Just one, one set of planes. But the whole thing is, if you accept the principle, but we're only going to do this much, it's 100% of the principle. That's yeah. why welfare, I think, is so bad. It's well motivated. They want to help people. They don't realize the unintended consequence is the very people they're trying to help get much poorer and they pay all the bills. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> when you do this and say, and, and it's always done in Congress, you know, there's a policy here and policy here, and to abolish or not do it or not pass the bill <clears throat> would be radical. Uh, they say, yeah, we'll just cut it back a little bit. You know, you want, a, you want $10 billion, well, we'll give you, we'll give you $9 billion. But it's, it's, always, it's always when you establish the principle and welfareism and warfareism is the acceptance of, of, a, of a position that, <clears throat> that when it's out of control, it gets very bad, but which history shows that they continuously grow. Yeah. Well, the, you know, it, it's not, it gets even worse than this, Dr. Paul, on this no-fly zone thing. And Clint Ehrlich has been on TV a few times. He's a foreign policy expert. He's worth following if you, if you go on Twitter. He's been published in Foreign Policy, Washington, Washington Post, BBC, et cetera, et cetera. So he's, he's well-known. He's a mainstream, but a very clever guy. Let's put on this next clip. Because the next thing they're talking about, rather than a limited one, I don't know where they come up with this stuff. Maybe they watch too many Marvel movies. But this is Jackie Heinrich. I think she's with Fox News. And she says some members of Congress are advocating for a non-kinetic no-fly zone. Something to the effect of using electromagnetic pulse, sonar, and cyber to keep Russian jets on the ground. Uh, to which Clint Ehrlich dis, uh, responds, they're calling it a non-kinetic no-fly zone. Here's a better name, World War III. And he continues in this, if we go to the next clip, explaining why this would mean World War III. This is an expert. He said, this proposal is so insane, it would be funny if there weren't lawmakers pushing it. To ground Russian jets with an EMP, you'd need to detonate a nuclear warhead. The non-kinetic option is literally a nuclear first strike. He goes on to say, the claim that sonar could be used to ground Russian fighters is incomprehensible. It uses sound waves to detect objects underwater. It doesn't magically stop planes from taking off. Even our best electronic warfare systems don't have that capability. Just goes to show you that people in Washington, members of Congress, who know very, very little about anything, nevertheless can come out with the most outrageous, outrageous things to say. Yeah, you know, to, to me it's such a shame because it's preventable. And if, if you wanted to, you could narrow it down to about one law. The law could be, that no individual or entity has the moral authority to initiate aggression against another entity, another yeah. person. And, uh, oh, that sounds pretty good, you know, but, but uh, it, it's uh, not, not acceptable because there's always an excuse and, you know, they make, <clears throat> they uh, uh, can stir up the trouble. But that's really all that is necessary is the willingness for people not to go up and just, you know, the, the worst example of not violating this was the ugliness of you see a thug girl walking down the street and a little old woman, you know, just struggling and, and maybe stumbles over there. And, and, uh, and uh, 
the, the hoodlum comes along and just beats her up. Yeah, takes her wallet. Woman, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I would say that's uh, that's the kind of that what it adapts to. But some of this other stuff, although that this is a vivid image when we talk about that, but this is what they really are doing. You know, politically speaking, because there are people out on the street now. I yeah. mean, just look at look at all the people that suffer from this, and uh, and, and the starting of wars seem. It's always motivated. Well, they claim it's always voted, motivated to to uh, protect our constitution and protect freedom and all. And some people argue historically that the only thing that ever came close to uh, fighting a war to enhance and actually ended up in improving liberty was the American Revolution. Uh, and our war since then never never resulted in a greater amount of liberty for American citizens, and American citizens, though, uh, go along with it. So it's not like it's somebody else's fault, but right now, look how many people were rolled over despite the information we already had about COVID. Yeah. And, and now, yeah. now, now it's it, it silence. They're totally silent, aren't they? <laughs> They're embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, tr well, truth wins out. Well, 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 sort of our last story is a little bit of a positive note because there's nothing we would like to see more than an end to the fighting. Um, we don't want to take sides. We want to see an end to it. Let's put up this next clip. This just came out this morning. Uh, breaking news from 7.30 in the morning. Ukraine is ready for negotiations with the Russian Federation on key points, but wants to receive a, quote, clear and specific, legally binding set of guarantees for its security in a situation where NATO has openly announced that we'll not accept Ukraine. That's a big shift on their part. And uh, uh, Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, gave an interview to ABC News. You can put that next one on. Zero Hedge picked up part of it, um, which is a major shift, too. Uh, a newly published ABC interview for the first time since the war began issued a significantly toned-down rhetoric on the question of future NATO membership. And here is Zelensky. Regarding NATO, I have cooled down regarding this question a long time ago after we understood that NATO is not prepared to accept Ukraine. The alliance is afraid of controversial things and confrontation with Russia. We never wanted to be a country that's begging for something on its knees, and we're not going to be that country, and I don't want to be that president. I also saw him give a little talk where he was really very, very nastily berating NATO. NATO was weak. NATO was worthless. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. He has a real stubbly face. He looks like he looks really bad. So I'm wondering if he's starting to have a Noriega moment. Hey, guys, I was your guy. What, what are you doing to me? <laughs> yeah, and uh, he, he's in greater danger now yeah. because he's, uh, the, the, the Russians wanted to get rid of him, obviously. Uh, and now uh, we have him challenging NATO and uh, we, as a country, the United States has been involved, <laughs> I don't know how many times, yeah. but it, it wasn't just once or twice, involved in coups and killing certain leaders. And the one that, you know, I read about as it was happening was what was happening in Vietnam, you know, when DM was murdered. Our CIA was involved in that. And then, tragically, even Kennedy, and the record shows the record in the history I read, they've convinced me that it was an anti, they're not following the rules, and DM wasn't doing exactly like we thought he should be doing. But the, the uh, Kennedy uh, was not gun-ho enough, you yeah. know, which, which was supposed to have come from his lesson he learned over Cuba. But uh, 
this is what is his greatest fear. So uh, I, I hope he has some bodyguards because all we need now is an assassination, yeah, you, you yeah, know, and that would make things so much worse. Exactly. Well, my final point it might be slightly <clears throat> controversial, Dr. Paul, but I, I really believe when we talk about COVID, Americans are being manipulated and propagandized like they never have in history. COVID was the, that was Little League. This is the big leagues, and I think this is happening. And I, I just want to roll out a couple of numbers, and I do this not to diminish what's happening in Ukraine because I think it's horrible. Any civilian death uh, in a battle is unjustified, and it's horrible. But according to the United Nations, and it was a report yesterday, in the first almost three weeks of fighting in Ukraine, they've recorded more than 400 civilians killed in conflict. That's obviously 400 too many. Probably the real number is higher. There's no question about it. Uh, but 400 people in the first three weeks. I went over and looked at Iraq body count because we've used them a lot. They've been the most reliable source of Iraqi deaths. And I wanted to see what they said about the first three weeks of shock and awe when the U.S. attacked, uh, un unprovoked attacked Iraq. And this is said, uh, the most intense period of civilian deaths was at the war's very beginning when more than 6,700 were killed in just three weeks of shock and awe. Again, it's not to excuse or justify what's happening in Ukraine right now. We need to stop and pause for a second and think about the bigger picture and the fact that there are a lot of other places where civilians have been killed a lot worse. You know, I'm convinced the founders had just as much concern about unnecessary war as we, we are. And yet they, they tried to give us a document and a position which would prevent these wars. So they, they believed that it was the very, very strong centralized leadership, the executive branch, the kings, the pharaohs, or whoever, you know, took people to war. And the people were either forced or gullible, and they went along with it. But it usually there were still a lot of people that would go, would go along with, the, with doing exactly as they say. But they tried to tell us there's a way of doing this. Tried, you know, when the, when the Vietnam War ended, it was, it, it's a good demonstration with a very, very, such a mess. But the good demonstration is the whole thing was stupid. You know, we, we, but how many people really say it was stupid because we didn't follow the Constitution and we were over there defending the Constitution? It, the founder said it should be an up and down vote in the Congress before you take people to war. And, uh, and yet, uh, I tried to make that point, uh, you know, when I was in Congress trying to make people vote on it before they were going in. I believe at the time it was uh, Afghanistan. And, and the Republicans and Democrats nearly got hysterical over it. No, we can't do that. That will disrupt our programs. And there's political risk on this. It's bad diplomacy. And uh, yet that's what is supposed to happen. Yeah, they should be on record to uh, say that uh, we're for this war and we want to do it. And you know, when it was better understood from Second World War back, that when the decisions were made, even if the wars were not, uh, you know, exactly necessary, at, at least the decision was made the way it was supposed to be because when they declared the war, they usually had a goal, you know, and when you think about it, uh, as tragic as World War II was, the goal of what was achieved by defending, you know, defeating two large military nations 
That is something else. But there was a different attitude uh, because the people haven't endorsed it. They got together and they said, this war is going to go over. And at least on the surface, it sounded like this is what they had to do. But that's not the way it is now. That's, if you think it was that way in Afghanistan, what a joke. In Iraq, we're still over in these countries. We're in Syria. Nobody talks about Syria anymore. But uh, we're saying, oh, we have to stay out. We can't put troops on the ground, you know, in uh, Ukraine. But we can send your money over there and we can send your, the weapons over there and we can keep this thing going. So, uh, yes, we're very much involved. And believe me, if we, if we didn't have the force and the power and the determination of NATO with our backing, philosophic backing as well as the monetary backing, we wouldn't be fighting that war over there. That wouldn't exist. These people that Daniel just reported, these people wouldn't have died. Uh, yes, there would have been political problems, but the tougher the problems they are, the closer home where they should be taken care of. They don't need to be taken care of by people that live 6,000 miles away thinking that we or somebody else knows all the answers for everybody around the world. We, as the United States, cannot be the policemen of the world, and we cannot have you know, this empire that we think we have a moral obligation to defend. The answers can be found very simply. There are simple rules of non-aggression, uh, plus the fact that uh, people, people can do this by recognizing how important personal liberty really is. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.